listening to the Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Vakula, here to help you travel the world at next to no cost through credit card points, miles, benefits, and rewards. Make money, save money, and take advantage of great deals. Visit my website at hurdygurdytravel.com to contact me. Find me on social media and support the show with donations and use of referral links. More information at the end of the show. Thanks for joining me for episode 32, special guest Waller's Wallet. Waller joins me to talk about his YouTube channel, the benefits of credit card rewards, and how the miles and points space changes life for the better. He's been uploading on YouTube since 2015, helping people maximize credit card rewards, save money, and dispel the myth that travel is too expensive. We also discuss skepticism people have about credit card rewards, reasons they don't get involved in the game, addressing common objections to motivate people to win, traveling to places like Iceland and Hungary, as Waller did. Enjoy the chat with Dustin from Waller's Wallet, and make sure to visit Waller's Wallet on YouTube. All right, thank you for joining me today. Awesome, thanks for having me on. And to start, can you tell people how you got started with miles and points? There's like a longer story and a shorter story. The uh, the longer story for it was back when my wife were dating before we got married, and as she was paying off her Discover card, you know, I walked over and like, how does she have all this cash back? Because at the time, I was in grad school and I had a USAA credit card where I would get a $25 statement credit after spending $3,500 on my card. And that would go directly to groceries because as a grad student, you were just living like that. Fast forward, we were getting married and we're looking at honeymoon destinations. And I just had, I was just thinking there had to be a better way than actually pay for all of that travel cost. So I just started going down the the Google rabbit hole and stumbled <laughs> across a couple of blogs. This was years ago of like Million Mile Secret and some of these other blogs, Frugal Travel Guy as well. And I thought it was a scam at first, but as I got into it, I decided to give it a go. And you know, the Chase Sapphire Preferred paid for our airfare for our honeymoon, and I've been I've nice. been in it ever since. Yeah, some people reluctant to get started, maybe intimidated by all the different cards or all these points and how I'm going to use that. So what led you past your initial reluctance to get involved? You know, I think I just had to give it a shot. You know, like what did I have to lose? I had I had decent credit at the time. Opening one card I knew wasn't going to wreck my credit. I just thought it was a good opportunity to see if really I could save myself some money. I mean, worst came to worst, I would just cash out my points at, you know, one cent per point and that would be it. But I was able to fly two people round trip to Jamaica for 15 bucks. And ever since then, I was hooked. Nice. So going for more cards and more sign up bonuses, more benefits rather than I think as most people do, they just get one card. Maybe they're getting 1% back, 2% back. And that's about it. Yeah. I mean, my original plan was to have the Chase Sapphire Preferred and an IHG credit card and use just strictly those two cards. But after I started opening cards and realizing how great those bonuses were, especially early on, and how frequently I could travel with them, I just kept opening more and opening more cards just because I could. And banks were giving them out like water at the time or like candy. Absolutely. And your credit score is still in good shape. You've been able to keep track of everything, get all the benefits, and overall have a really good experience with it. Absolutely. When I started this game back six or seven years ago, my credit score was like 700 on the dot. And currently it's like 820, 830. (laughs) And between my wife and myself, we have close to 50 active credit cards. So, you know, it's, it's not accurate. As long as you can manage your credit appropriately, you're not going to destroy your credit by opening cards. Right. So we're seeing some great benefits, as you said, using points for travel, statement credits, all kind of discounts. We've been seeing great 
deals from American Express offering cell phone credits, streaming credits, shipping service credits, Dell credits. Oh, it's been so outstanding, much. the credits we're seeing right now. It's, it's great to see banks offer these types of value. Right. So it's this idea that we're going to get ongoing value from the cards at best. And at worst, what we're signing up for a card, we're getting a huge sign up bonus in year one and then reevaluating the card later on. Absolutely. So the motivation continues and you've grown that into a YouTube channel. What, what led to that story? I have my website. I was blogging on my blog for a bit. And then after a while, I started doing like video consults, if you will, with friends and family. And one, one friend said, you know, you should probably start a YouTube channel because it's, it's great to watch you over video. And I thought it was just nuts. I had never, I didn't own a camera. I didn't think twice about starting YouTube. And I sat on it for a couple of weeks and I said, what do I really have to lose? You know what, a couple of weeks of time or maybe it doesn't work out, but who knows? So I started the channel back in February of 2018, 2018 and it's grown to a little over 10,000 subs at, at the current time. So, and it's been a lot of fun. I love making videos. Right. And a lot of value from the community, people sharing some tips, sharing some advice, being able to collaborate with others. And it's not like we're going and researching individual banks website, but rather people just giving us information in different blogs, different websites, providing us with a lot of helpful tips. Absolutely. Yeah, some people uh, are reluctant to get involved at all. Oh, it sounds like too much work. Oh, is it worth it? What do you have to say to them? For those people, you know, you can make this game as difficult as you want. You could sign up for, you know, 20 credit cards. Well, maybe not today, but, you know, you could sign up for a lot of credit cards and have a lot to manage. Or you can get one or two and then slowly add to that over the time when you realize, you know, I have a trip coming up next year. I want to plan for that. Open one card to get a bonus. You know, there's just so many ways to play this game that it's only as challenging as you make it. Right. And I would suggest anyway that most people start small. Just get one card to start, an easier card to use and understand, and from there evaluate and see whether you want to get more. But with me, yes, I got the first card. I got my first sign-up bonus, and my thought is, oh, why wouldn't I do this more? It doesn't seem like so much effort at all to just open a card and reach these spend goals for spend that I'm doing anyway. And then over time, I added some more spend in order to hit these sign up bonuses. No, absolutely. I agree with that. I think what one common pushback I get from people are used to get more frequently is, you know, if I have 12 credit cards, I have to, I have to manage all those. And it, I, that's true to a degree. But if you're only using the card for the bonus, and you can set up your alerts and get an alert if somebody, you know, fraudulently uses your card, it's not as it's not as much work, I think, as people think it is. Yeah, I agree. I think it's overstated as I'll pay off my cards every week. I'll look at my accounts and maybe it takes me about, what, an hour to just go through. But I would think that anyway, people, if they only have one credit card, one bank account, whatever their case, it's just good to look at your accounts anyway, just to make sure everything's in good shape. No, absolutely. I check my accounts, I think, at least multiple times a week just to make sure that I don't have any fraudulent activity on there, even with alerts on there, and just to make sure my money's safe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And we have good protection with credit cards as well. I've heard so many horror stories of people with debit cards talking about, oh, well, someone in Tennessee made this purchase and now my bank is saying it's going to take some time to recover the money. And meanwhile, they're stuck paying it. But if there's any fraudulent activity happening, we can call the issuer and get that resolved pretty easily. That, and that's a great protection benefit for credit cards. The uh, the David Ramsey people who advocate for debit cards, I don't, I don't agree with that stance of using debit cards because... You know, good good example. I was on a trip a couple of years ago with a friend of mine, and I was in Dallas, and I got a call from Bank of America, 
And Bank of America's like, hey, are you in Vegas right now? I went, I'm not in <laughs> Vegas. I'm actually in Dallas. And they said, well, someone just spent like $700 on clothing. And I actually hadn't even used that card in a couple of years. I said, okay, we'll take care of it. Cancel the card, sent me a new one. You know, I couldn't imagine, you know, if I had $700 in my account, let's say in my checking account, and that was it. And I'm waiting weeks or months to get it back. Your auto loan company or your rent, people are going to be like, that's yeah, cool. You can pay me later. They, they want their money. So it's just a better, that extra layer of protection is really awesome. We were talking a little bit before the show, going to Hyatt and using points for a hotel stay there, getting free breakfast, getting a lot of perks and benefits as well. that normally would cost a lot. Absolutely. I think people sometimes over undervalue sometimes that those free, those extra amenities, such as a free breakfast at some of these hotels. I know in the points that Miles gave me, you have a lot of people who look at getting maximum value and having to stay at high-end properties, but there's a lot of value in those mid-level properties that are great for families or for people who are just looking to stretch their points. And, you know, if you have a family of three or family four, even more, free breakfast saves you a lot of money. Yeah. And time too, rather than having to search for a local restaurant, leave the hotel, go back, depending on what the parking situation was or whether you've Ubered from an airport. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, we're waiting also for airport lounges to reopen. We're recording here in June of 2020, and the airport lounges have been really great, even altering my travel patterns to arrive at the airport early just to have the food and drink there. That's fantastic. I haven't. I don't have a lounge here in my little airport. My airport here out of Bangor is probably smaller than the Target I have up the street from it. It's not very <laughs> big. I think I have five five gates to go to, so it's not very big at all. What are some trips that you've taken recently or some more memorable redemptions? For earlier this year, we went to California to see some family. And then in February, I went to Dublin with a couple of buddies of mine. And that was a lot of fun. Dublin was a great, great destination. But outside of that, I've had a lot canceled. But as far as memorable trips, though, one of my, my, my I call it my first true international trip was Budapest. And Budapest just was out of this world. For someone who enjoys travel looks to save money and just is in who likes history and great food. It really felt like Budapest had all of that. And that was fantastic for me. Nice. And how was the redemption there arranging the flight, arranging the accommodations? So this was years ago, but we used United on an open jaw. So we flew out of Boston into Budapest and then utilized flying out of Prague back home. And then for our accommodations, we stayed, I had a, it was when the IHG certificate was uncapped. We stayed one night at the Intercontinental in Budapest with a room upgrade overlooking the, the river. The remaining of our stay in Budapest, I redeemed 35,000 arrival plus miles for this massive Airbnb overlooking the city on this hill up by the Citadel. And, you know, your legs burned every night you got up there. <laughs> but, you know, some of these Eastern European cities, it's so cheap that using those using the Capital One miles or even cash back, you can get enough an amazing value there. Nice. I, I think a lot of people are reluctant to travel because they say, Oh, it's too expensive, it's too difficult to prepare for. But with credit card miles and points, it's just been a lot easier for all of us. Oh, it subsidizes my travel and I'm sure your travel as well yeah. so much. Yeah, taking trips to places like Hawaii, Greece. 
I've gone and some people would say, oh, that's just a once every five years, once every 10 years, once in a lifetime, or some people just don't even travel at all, but definitely reducing the costs and making the experience much better through all the benefits and perks is really nice. Totally. When someone says it's a once in a lifetime trip and they, or they tell me they haven't traveled in two years, I, my mind starts to go a little crazy because <laughs> I understand some trips are truly like once in a lifetime, possibly maybe the destination or the cost, even with your points a mile, such as like a safari somewhere in Africa. But I, like my wife and I have been very fortunate to go to Europe probably three to four times a year because of points and miles. And when I hear someone say it's once in a lifetime, I'm just like, if you, if you can manage your credit and you can play this game even just a little bit, that once in a lifetime trip turns into a once a year trip. Yeah. And some, some people also, they're reluctant because they don't think they're going to reach the sign up bonuses. They say, oh, that's too much. I can't spend 4000 5000 in three months. For those people, I would say, look at what you spend over the course of a month and then extrapolate that out over three months, but also look at the other, the your, all of your expenses. So for example, I can prepay my cell phone bill up to, I think it's now $500 with Verizon. I'm going to be paying that bill anyways. So if I prepay it in advance, it's, it's it gets me closer to my minimum spend requirement. I can prepay other bills you have options like plastic as well, where you basically can have, they will send a check on your behalf or even faster if you need it there faster. And you can earn credit card miles. Now there is a fee associated with that. So you do want to be cautious with that. But when you're working with signup bonuses that are worth hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, paying a 40 or $50 fee so you can hit that might, might be worth it. Yeah, a good exchange, like buying miles, buying points at a big discount, even for people with cashback cards. Sometimes that fee for plastic gets to be pretty low, 1.5%, 1%. Normally, it's, what, 2.5%. Right. And and occasionally, I've received even fee-free dollars in certain promotions from plastic that reduce some of those costs. So I use it to pay my electric bill, my rent, student loan payments. So it really adds up. Man, those student loan payments, you can earn a boatload of miles <laughs> using plastic. And it does suck. They just reduce the fee-free dollars from, or down to 100 bucks from 1000 Yeah, the referrals, right. You know, that hurts in the sense for people to earn those fee-free dollars. But man, me and my wife, we paid off, I think, was it fifty dollars or $60,000 using plastic for student loan payments and just hit sign-up bonus after sign-up bonus after sign-up bonus. So it was, it was pretty lucrative for us. Nice. And for some people getting started with this, do you have any other tips? Like we said earlier, you do want to start slow. One one credit card and then work your way up. But also for award travel, I always tell people it's important to work in reverse. So what I mean by that is if you want to go to Greece, look at the airline options and your hotel options in Greece and figure out what cards are going to fill that void. One common issue I see people say is, well, I have We'll say, for example, 100,000 Southwest points, and I really want to go to Greece. Well, that's great. Southwest Southwest doesn't fly there. They don't have any partners there. So you have these points, which are valuable, but they're not valuable for that trip that you're coming up for. So if you start with the destination and work in reverse, you set yourself up much better for success in this game. And for people with multiple cards and particularly flexible currencies, right? We like the flexible currencies as we're not just bound to one program. We can use membership rewards and ultimate rewards, for example, and use those with all kinds of different providers. Absolutely. Flexible currency is really where it's at because when we see programs like United now becoming more dynamic in the pricing, not only their flights, but on partners, we see Delta sometimes charging crazy amounts for flights. 
and, and Americans, you know, going on that path as well. It, it's good to have options. Options just give you a better chance of success. Right. So devaluations, as you're alluding to, they, they always happen, right? The value of the miles, the value of the points will go down over time, but I don't think it gives us reason to just abandon hope altogether. Sometimes we see some really good deals as well with those programs. Absolutely. I mean, I think today, Aeroplan and was it Etihad just announced a partnership and people are now able to fly Etihad for with Aeroplan miles and they don't pass on fuel surcharges. So the game is constantly changing. So what you know today could change tomorrow and it's, you just got to stay up on it. Right. And new cards and new offers come out regularly. I'm a big fan of the UBS business card. I had a past episode on that. I'm looking at getting that card before that offer ends July 31st. Some more flexible currency there, similar to the Altitude Reserve card offering points. You're a big fan of the Altitude Reserve card. I am a big fan of the Altitude Reserve card. I think it's a really solid card for, we'll call them the free agent economy traveler, if you will. <laughs> Uh, because it's not going to be a great option for someone I think who flies business class because it's pretty much a locked in value of that 1.5 cents per point. But earning triple points on mobile wallet payments, basically earning 4.5% cash back on or 4.5% rewards on all purchases, that that is pretty stellar. And it's pretty simple as well. It's, it's a really nice thing too with the real-time mobile rewards feature that they have, which I think is unique to them. Can you tell us about that? They Basically, you you go through and set up parameters. There's a lot of different options. I usually just stick to travel. But is there's a lot of different airlines, a lot of domestic ones and some international, to where if you go right to the website, you book directly with the airline, we'll say United, you purchase your ticket. As long as you currently have the full amount of points in your account to redeem against that charge, they're going to send you a text message and all you have to do is respond with redeem and that airline, your points are redeemed against that charge. So now you're not, now you're earning, you, you've redeemed your miles. You're going to earn redeemable miles for a future flight. You're going to earn miles towards status if that's important to you. And you can do the same thing with rental cars and hotels. They do have different limits on how much you need before you can redeem those points. So, but it's a really great opportunity for someone who has a lot of altitude reserve points to basically have more of a a free flowing ability to book their travel without having to worry about devaluations essentially for the for award charts or you know what's going to happen if point value change devaluations it just gives you a more customizable way to book the travel you want yeah some are quick to write off us bank talking about them being strict or complicated how did you get in with us bank what was your experience so a couple of years ago, back when the Olympics were going on, my wife and I applied for the, the Flexport card because we were getting 25,000 points after only a $500 spend. So it was a no-brainer for us. After the year, I didn't realize, I didn't think it was worth the, the, the annual fee. So I product changed us to the US Bank Cash Plus card, which is a really, which I think is a really great card. So that gave me the in there. And then I ended up waiting and then applying for the altitude reserve after I'd kind of gone through a dry spell of applying for cards because we because we know how U.S. Bank can be with people who are a bit more aggressive. Right. We're talking about maybe one inquiry every six months or in some cases, zero inquiries, right? Yeah, they don't like people with a lot of inquiries. I, I was zero for six when I applied for it and it went to pending and I got a notification. I called in three days later and I was it said I was approved. but. Yeah, people who have 
one or two inquiries, you know, they're very, US Bank seems very fickle. We'll approve some people at one for six and some people at, you know, two for six, but you don't, you're definitely not going to get in if you're someone who's like 12 or 13 applications in the last <laughs> six months. Right, right. And now we're seeing that relationships are really valuable. I talk about this a lot, that if you have some pre-existing relationship with a bank, your chances of getting a credit card in many cases will go up. And U.S. Bank also has a self-directed investing product, which I think will be really good for people who are looking at getting U.S. Bank cards. Absolutely. It's a nice backdoor way for people who don't have U.S. Bank branches in their area in order to, to kind of get access to some of these cards. Yeah, here in Pennsylvania, I'm not allowed to get a checking account. I'm outside of their footprint. So having a different in rather than getting another credit card could be very good for people. It's like, what, you get the Flex Perks card, then you have to wait another six months? Uh, that That's sounds... a long time. There's, <laughs> yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of cards you can open in that period of time. Yeah, I've been getting a lot of business cards recently to keep the personal credit report cleaner. So right. hoping for altitude and... Yeah, if... I'm hoping that the rumors of a potential change on the card are wrong and they keep it as is. You know, I know that there some people might want better earning rates, but there's always that trade-off and I'm 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 actually pretty content with how the card is now. Yeah, they sent a survey to people I saw and asked them about what kind of benefits that you want on the card. Hopefully they don't go the way of Chase, raise the annual fee and give some questionable benefits. So a lot of people ditching the Chase Sapphire Reserve after they increase the annual fee on that. I know that. Yeah, the reserve they you know, I'll give I give Chase credit for this during this time, this pandemic time of upping their temporary benefits, but it's just that it's temporary. So while we might be high on them right now, I'm curious if they're going to implement any of these temporary changes permanently, because outside of that, I, I have lost I've lost love for the Chase Sapphire Reserve as a premium card long term. Right, the Chase Sapphire Preferred I really like because it's only a ninety five dollar annual fee when we're recording now. And I get referrals from the card, so that offsets the annual fee and some earning, like they have the grocery earning right now, some purchases here and there. Some people just starting out, they, they want to just avoid all annual fees at all costs. You see all these pieces. What is the best no annual fee card? And I, I think that's a big mistake that people just starting make trying to avoid those annual fee cards. Yeah, you know, I think there's that value perspective or value proposition for people and you know, if I'm going to pay $95, what am I getting for it? And it really comes down to math, you know, running the the numbers of a fee card, if you're looking for a long-term rotation against its best no fee option, but also if you're running for signup bonuses, you know, if you're earning five, $600 a bonus and you're paying $100 for the card, what I always tell people is, hey, if you gave me a hundred bucks and I gave you 500, would you do it? They would say all day long. That's exactly what you're doing here. Yeah, you just have to make sure to get the spend in, use the benefits, and you'll be good. As Yes, you're being charged a fee, but you're going to get more in exchange for that, especially in the first year. But what about the second year? What do you recommend for people? Sometimes they'll wonder about what will happen for the second year of the card. Yeah, so what I typically tell people before they go, well, it's not giving me any value, I'm canceling the card. I always recommend people call for a retention offer. So for people who don't know what a retention offer is, you call the bank and you let them know, hey, I like your card. I'm not sure if I'm getting enough value from it. And they'll look through and each bank is different based on how they do this. And they might go, okay, how about we give you 5,000 points or 10,000 points or we waive that annual fee another year. 
there's val- the, the banks want you to keep these cards. They don't want you to have a one-year turnover and get rid of it. So I do typically tell people to call for that retention offer. But before canceling as well, what are your downgrade options? You know, having a couple no-fee cards is important for the age of your credit, which is going to help your credit score long-term. So if you so if you can have a downgrade path for a card that's going to keep your credit history alive, that's beneficial even if it lives in the, the sock drawer, if you will. Right. Especially with Chase, if people aren't getting referrals, they're not finding ongoing value. There's the Freedom card, which is decent with its five times categories and no annual fees. So instead of just outright canceling, at least you have an option for a product change or downgrade there. Absolutely. The Freedom card, I think, is a really good card because of that 5x earning rate and they like to have multiple of them. So some of these categories, it's easy for people to stock up on gift cards or other things they may need for their life. Yeah, definitely gift cards, the grocery category, the drugstore category, always good. Amazon, PayPal, people find some value in those too. Although I think that people overvalue categories in the game, especially those who are low spenders, people who are just starting. I see a lot of, oh, I'm looking for a good gas card, but I I think that's absolutely the wrong way to go about things because we can find more value in the overall value of the card, particularly coming from that sign-up bonus. Sometimes people don't look at the fact of, okay, I'm going to get this card. I'm going to get 4% back on this this category when they may already have a card that earns 3% back and the amount of rewards they're going to earn is going to be so minute, it's not worth the hard pull long-term. Yeah, even if someone has City Double Cash or American Express Blue Business Cash, you're getting 2% everywhere on that. And if you get a category that maybe gives you 3%, 4%, even 5%, it's like, how much are you really spending on gas? How much are you spending at drugstores? I, I imagine that people just aren't spending that much to make it more than, say, signing up for a card that's giving them a sign-up bonus worth $500, $600 or more, because some of these high-category cards, unfortunately, don't have some big sign-up bonuses. No, not at all. I think that's a great point. Yeah, so, so doing some calculation, doing some thinking ahead, I think is really important as I think one mistake that some beginners do is they're just shotgunning all these applications. Like I'm going to try to get every card I possibly can and they're going after some low value cards like with their local credit unions or banks that are maybe only offering sign-up bonuses of 100 bucks, 150 bucks. Not as good there. Yeah, and it's tougher today in today's game, especially with today's economy and banks tightening up. You do want to be strategic in your applications and thought process of cards and like bonuses. And, you know, if you can't get cards right now because banks are tightening up, you know, you do want to have that long term strategy as well. But you got to be strategic in this game. To go back with U.S. Bank, they're coming out with the Altitude Connect card. So for those right now who are thinking, oh, well, I'm going to wait. Well, okay, if you're going to wait, you're not going to sign up for new cards. You're running low on options. You can wait for newer cards and newer offers to come out rather than just settling for a card that has a very small sign-up bonus and very small earning potential. Yeah, the Altitude Connect and the Altitude Go are both rumored, it looks like, to be like really solid cards. I'm excited to see those cards. You know, I am a U.S. Bank fan, so I'm hoping hoping that the information or the rumor saying that they won't transfer to the Altitude, Altitude Reserve are wrong. And we'll have to see, I guess, in practice how that actually goes. Yeah, it's looking like a 50,000 point sign up bonus on the Altitude Connect. So even if they're one cent per point, that's about $500 right there, which is still pretty good. Yeah, and it's supposed to rumored have that um, rumored have that streaming credit as well. So there, there's, there's going to be some value in that for people, I think. Especially as an ongoing 
benefit rather than just this temporary pandemic benefit that we're seeing from so many issuers. Are are there things that you would have done differently if you were to start over with miles and points? Any early or some recent mistakes that you've made? I think I it, well when I started, I probably would have gone harder on the applications because it was easier years ago. And I was a little hesitant at first, getting comfortable. But I realized being hesitant back then, I had I probably missed out on some points, which now it's not the end of the world. I did lose five hundred dollars when trying to manufacture spend, trying to get a so a couple of years ago they had the City American Airline Executive Card with a hundred thousand point offer, but it required a ten thousand dollar spend, and I had the serve card for me and my wife, the American Express serve card. And I was loading five hundred dollar gift cards onto it at Dollar General. Yeah, fam- family dollar. Probably, family yeah. dollar. There yeah. it is. Family dollar. We, we know the serve card well. <laughs> <laughs> family dollar. And I went with my card first and I got it loaded. I went with my wife's card right after that transaction. The system at the register there like had an error. It took the 500 bucks. Never saw it again. I couldn't get them to refund the money back on the card or anything. So I lost 500 bucks and I stopped manufacturer spending after that because yeah, that was a that was one of my early times doing it, and I lost five hundred bucks early on. So I said, "I'm not really good at this," so I stopped. <laughs> oh, that, that's that's very sorry to hear. I, I've purchased a lot of gift cards over the years, and I, I've had some issues, but I've been able to get some refunds. There was one recently where I saw that the code on the back of the card was scratched off, and oh it, no, it was, it was demagnetized. So here I am buying the card at the register. I try to use it at a later time. And it's just not working. So I had to call card member services. and That's they, always a hassle too, to want to be yeah, called. They, they restored it. But over the last, say, 15 months or so, I've had, just had so, so much success. So I, I've been continuing to go with it. Yeah, there's going to be some stumbling with anything, especially when you're trying to scale, when you're trying to do some unorthodox, unorthodox things. So hopefully uh, more success for those out there. If you take it slow... With manufacturers spending, there there could be some great opportunities for people. It really is location dependent. I mean, I don't have any, I don't have I don't think I have anything here in Bangor for it. Oh no! So <laughs> no, you know, no Safeway, my, no Acme, no Giant, no none Kroger's. of those, <laughs> none of those. Oh. So I, I'm very strategic in the sense I've kind of, I've placed my new cards around bigger purchases uh, as a whole, and it works out really well for me. Or shift spending, but no, I've. I see people who have really good opportunities and I'm like, man, if only I had those opportunities. Yeah, I've taken more to the virtual side here in Pennsylvania. I had a past podcast guest, Stephen Pepper, who was talking about gift card. Over a frequent miler. Yeah, yeah. Talking about gift card reselling. And we've both had a lot of success with that. So that's helped us with a lot of our spending goals. Yeah, if you can get into that stuff and have a system. I've What was it? It was... Was it the plastic merchant? Yeah, was yeah. Who like took people's money and ran and that that some people lost some serious money and that's just so so disappointing and scary at the same time. Yeah, there's an element of risk in all of this. I, I've heard people just stumbling here and there about, oh well I had APR, zero percent APR for twelve months and then I forgot about it when the twelfth month hit. Oh and here I am getting, <laughs> getting all these charges, whatever. So you, you have to be on top of it if you're going to be playing with these bigger numbers. So you could take some risks, but make sure that you're not going over your head with this. Again, starting small and building from there. That's like everything else you do, right? You just got to, you know, you don't go around a marathon right away. You, you you work your way up to it. So Yeah. Yeah. And to say like, oh, well, there's some danger. Just don't get involved. Well, I don't think that would be 
a way to go at all because you'd be missing out on all of these rewards and benefits. It's it's really sad when I see people using cash to pay for prices and they're actually paying for, for us to use credit cards because these credit card companies are charging the merchants to use their services. But the cash users aren't getting a discount on any of their spending and we're actually getting all the points and miles and other benefits with our spending. It always breaks my heart when I see somebody pay with cash or, or I did see someone try to write a check recently I did, and I, that, that breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some people might just be old school. They might not be knowledgeable about this. I, I really wish I had this information much earlier. I didn't hear any of this in high school. It was okay. Don't pay interest on a credit card. Don't run up charges. Don't overspend. But my home ec teacher never spoke about miles and points or sign up bonuses or <laughs> the better. It'd be great better if they part. taught this, right? Could you imagine that coming out of high school yeah. like, and just working your way up and having an opportunity to earn thousands of points and miles in your late teens, early 20s and have that ability? That would have been awesome. Yeah, we've uh, been way ahead of the game there. I see some people <laughs> yeah. in Facebook groups who are saying, look, you know, I just uh, finished high school and I'm looking at getting a checking account with Chase and I've heard all this information. I'm like, that's great. You're, that's you're on the great. Right some people, uh, authorized users, some issuers, what, allowing you to add an authorized user of someone who's maybe 14 or 16. So they're getting their established credit a little bit early. I'm thinking about adding my son. My son's about a year and a half old. I'm thinking about adding him to like one of our chase cards. They don't yep. ask for social security numbers Ooh. and see if see if that works and get his and see if I can start getting his credit going because if I can help him, I mean, then he can, you know, if I take him places now, he can take me places when he's a little bit older. <laughs> yeah, and he could probably have a frequent flyer account too, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, just just don't get banned by American Airlines. Unfortunately, some people running into that. Oh, man, that's, it's so scary with, with what went on there, but because they kind of changed the rules midway through because some of the language wasn't there <laughs> about it. So for people to know, they were, people were basically getting these mailers and using these mailers to get points or getting more bonuses on these cards that were that didn't have the lifetime language or the restrictions for bonus restrictions on it. And there was nothing in the terms and conditions saying that you couldn't do that. But then people started having their account. What's his name? Is it middle-aged Miler who had his accounts frozen? Middle-aged Miles, yeah. Yeah, middle-aged Miles. He had his accounts frozen forever and they took them, which is interesting because now they basically broke up said, hey, you were, we, we were we were partners, you know. You were you had our accounts. We loved it. <laughs> but we're breaking up with you. We don't yeah, need yeah. you anymore. <laughs> then this whole thing happened, and they're like, "Oh, we need those people now who are loyal to us." At some point, so you know, I was I had made a joke that I'm shocked they didn't send out an email. Like after reviewing our you know our IT department made an error, oh, yeah, we reinstated your miles, <laughs> and you know we, we welcome you back on our planes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's airlines aren't messing around. Banks aren't messing around. It, you got to tread carefully, but, you know, if you're willing to push the envelope, you can still push it a little bit and play in that, what I call the gray zone. Yeah. But it's, uh, you got to be careful. Yeah, still lots of opportunity and still lots of wins out there, even for people who aren't pushing the envelope. People who are more conservative, maybe signing up for only two or three cards a year. Some people always under 524. I hear that sometimes of like, oh, well, I don't want to get too many cards because I'd want to be sure to get a chase card again. And I don't want to spend too much time on this. But you know what? I find it fun. I, I find the rewards, I find the gains from it to very much outweigh the time I put into it. I have fun with the ups and the downs. I've met some great people through the hobby and, of course, started this podcast and able to help others and gain some valuable information myself. Yeah, the hobby, the, the, the game and people who are in it, 
you know, I feel like as a whole, most most people are really good about helping others. I mean, if you try to go jumping down the the Reddit rabbit hole, you know, they're a <laughs> vicious shark tank in Reddit. I lurk. I don't. I don't think I've ever posted in Reddit because I'm 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 actually like really scared to post there. <laughs> but there's a lot of great resources and a lot of good people out there who are willing to help you. So lots, lots of ways to win and even checking account bonuses. I, I, you know, we see some of that, but people don't focus on that too much where it's like, go to your local bank, open an account, connect a direct deposit, or maybe keep a minimum balance in there for two months and get a $300, $400 bonus. It's like, wow, if I could just spend maybe an hour in my local branch, go through their little hoops, you know what, I could get $300 for like two hours, maybe worth of effort, and then get the relationship for future products and different offers later down the road. It totally, absolutely it gets you in a relationship with these places. And as credit card companies, and we see them tighten up banking or checking account bonuses almost seem to be the new sign up bonus where, you know, sure, you're not going to get, you know, crazy oversized value, but 500 bucks is 500 bucks. Yeah, really good, especially when you could do all of these things together, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it just stacks on top of itself. Yeah, a lot of parallels with the credit card community and the financial independence community as well, I see. Yeah, I think we're a lot of people who are on part of that FIRE movement are more budget savvy, uh, you know, more frugal and intact, and they account for all their pennies and you know, like we account for all of our miles. So there is some overlap there. Yeah, just trying to keep costs down, maximize our spending, save some money. It's been really life-changing for me, especially with local deals, just saving on groceries and gas. I'm not talking about clipping coupons and saving 50 cents here or there, but rather, okay, I can go in and get my grocery points, and I'm good for the entire month, and I'm getting extra things because, oh, well, I could always have some extra rice in storage and cliff bars and quinoa (laughs) and uh, just eating a lot better. Uh, It takes me back a few years ago where I was saying, oh, I don't know, eating really healthy could be really expensive, and it's now like, oh, well, actually... I can go to the store and buy whatever I want because of all the the great deals with the gift cards that they have there. Yeah, if you learn how to stack these deals and learn how to scale it, if you will, there's a lot of great ways to just not only earn the great rewards, but save yourself money on things that can maybe help have you eating better or you know just giving you an, an, um, an uplifted experience. Yeah, and even the airport lounges, uh, at, at least the Centurion lounges, the Delta Sky Clubs I visited, it's been some pretty high quality food too. It's not like oh, you're just going to a random buffet somewhere and getting this like really low-grade food. Some really nice stuff. Yeah, the I, I haven't been to a Centurion Lounge because I, I got, got rid of my business platinum a couple of years ago because I didn't find it was worth the money. But I've been to a couple of the Delta Sky Clubs and at JFK, and I've had great experiences there. I think Delta, Delta Lounges are outstanding. Yeah, there was one in... Los Angeles that had a make your own ramen bar, which was pretty interesting. All the ingredients, the broth, the noodles, really cool to see that. At later this year, I'm going to have to somehow get my way into that lounge to get make my own ramen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love noodles. Love noodles. Yeah, really cool thing. I don't know what the future airport lounges might be. Might they have servers and they're going to give you the food rather than having everyone else just get their own? Yeah, that's... Post-COVID sure. post travel, <laughs> it's going to be interesting for sure to see how 
everything looks. Yeah, casinos were my playground, but I haven't been in one in about three months now. And it's like, oh, I have all these points for Caesars and Borgata, and I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go with MGM. <laughs> I, Vegas, I, yeah, Vegas is opening soon, isn't it? It's yeah. just a couple days a couple days away. Right. Even some of the smaller casinos, I've been getting emails from some of the smaller casinos there in the downtown area, and they're ready to go as well. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes, but I'm planning, yeah, on, absolutely. planning on heading out in July. So we'll see how that pans out. If it yeah, I'm sure. I, I know I'm itching to get on a plane, so I'm sure you're itching to get back out there too. Absolutely. And to go back to your YouTube channel, you've grown, you've had a lot of subscribers recently. You've been doing some live streams. What does your channel look like in the next coming weeks? What plans do you have? The live streams people, I think a lot of people do like the live streams because not a lot of, credit card YouTubers do live streams. I think it's for a couple of reasons. One, I think the way the algorithm works with YouTube, you could be punished essentially by doing these live streams because people don't tune into them as much or watch as long. So that can hurt you in the algorithm. I love interacting with my community. You know, they're the ones that have built up the channel to where it is. And why would I not want to interact with people who help support the channel? So I'm hoping the upcoming weeks, you know, we have the new U.S. bank cards coming out. I'm hoping to have a couple of reviews on those cards and some comparisons to other cards for, you know, some of the long-term value and how it looks as well. I'm, I'm a big, I love comparing credit cards, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense. So <laughs> it's, it's just fun because there's always, there's always a trade-off when you get one card, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's really, and I, once we get back to traveling again, I'll probably do more award travel related talk. I was doing that for a while. Right. And you also launched the Waller's Wallet podcast for some longer form discussions. You've had discussion about Paris, Iceland, Airbnb, Budapest, yes. as we mentioned. Uh, yes. You have Spencer from 10X Travel talking about Taiwan. So lots of content on there too. Uh, thank you first for listening to the podcast. You know, the podcast is a little different in the sense that we talk, I'm talking more travel than credit cards. Like to, I've been really using the, the the YouTube channel for credit card related talk and the podcast for more long form travel talk. You know, we still talk ways of saving money and traveling on a you know a budget or using your points and miles, but it's more so to kind of give that travel inspiration for people and let them see that there's some amazing destinations out there in the world that you can visit and it won't break your bank or maybe you hadn't thought of that destination to visit and you're like you know what that sounds amazing I would love to go to Iceland now. And, you know, see Icelandic ponies. <laughs> and all the towns and places and cities that are very hard to pronounce as well. Absolutely. I, I can't, I can say Reykjavik and I think that's about it. It's, it. But it's gorgeous. I mean, Iceland was gorgeous. But yeah, it's it's more so for that travel inspiration. Yeah, there was a, what, a volcano that erupted a few years ago and newscasters are having a very hard time pronouncing that. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> full, full that's funny. Full of we fill, was it? <laughs> when, we, when we were in Budapest, too, the, we were walking up and down the streets, going places, and the, the Hungarian language is, the, 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 the words can be like super long with like all these consonants. <laughs> and those streets, I'll never forget, me and, wife, me and my wife were walking up and down the street and some of the street names are so similar in spelling. I mean, you're looking at a, a word that's like 28 letters long, and there's like a four-letter difference. And so we're like, where the hell are we? Because I, like, we should have taken a left on this street. Finally, we were able to get our cell phones to work because this was when it was Project Fi and not Google Fi. Yeah. So it was still in beta. So it wasn't always the greatest. But it, we finally were able to get where we needed to. But man, 
some of these some of those languages are so hard to learn or try to understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Google Fi. But it's a lot of fun yeah, to figure it out. Google Fi I've been a big fan of. It's nice to have the international data, not having to worry about that or mess with SIM cards. So for travelers, I, I think it's a great deal. And you know what? No contract. You just pay monthly and there's an unlimited data plan or you just pay as you go. So I've been a big fan of the service. Yeah, we've had great success. I I have um, an iPhone, so and I don't have T-Mobile strong. T-Mobile is not very strong where I live, so I'm on Verizon. But whenever I travel, I pop the Google Fi SIM card in my phone, and and away I go. And I've had, I think I've only had like one issue with it, but that was a while back. Other than that, it's been pretty seamless, and I like I just pay for what I use. Yeah, and every few months I see a new deal with them, usually around Black Friday, especially where they'll say like, oh, 50% off your phone and. I, I keep getting a new phone and trading it in as they have a trade-in program as well. So I think it was the Pixel 4 that was the recent deal that was normally 800 So it was 50% off for 400 and you could trade in your old model and get $200 back. So really great deals for that. That's what we do with my wife's plan. That's what we do with my wife. She had the Pixel 2. She upgraded to the Pixel 4. They gave her, was it $400 in five credit? So she doesn't have to pay her cell phone bill for like the next year. Because <laughs> she uses her phone very, very little. And, you know, when the Pixel 5 comes out, you know, we'll have to see what deals are around there. But it seems like the phone might not be as expensive as the Pixel 4 based on what I was seeing for rumor wise. But Google Fi is definitely a top notch international plan for people who travel. Yeah. And even the American Express credits now working for Google Fi is initially they said that they weren't, but they actually did a great job in saying, you know what, hey, we've added Google Fi as a partner, whereas initially it didn't code properly, but now it is. So kudos to American Express for that. Love that. Great, great move by American Express, you know, listening to the customers there. And that's one reason why I think American Express's customer service is, is pretty awesome. They're not perfect, but in this situation, they, you know, they came through for people. Yeah, the master value injection, that was the name of the PDF. The hosts of Myelnomics were loving that name. Yes, yes. All right, anything else to wrap up as we're coming up on time here? No, that this was awesome. Thanks for having me on, the, on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And how can people find you online? Awesome. Thanks again, once again, for having me on. I really do appreciate it. So you can find me pretty much on all major social media platforms. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Waller's Wallet. The YouTube channels, Waller's Wallet, and the podcast is the Waller's Wallet podcast. So I'm pretty active on uh, on Twitter. I'm beginning to be a little bit more active on Instagram. And now that I just hit the 10,000 mark on YouTube, I should be getting access to YouTube stories, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, to where I get a new way to interact with people. All right. Very good. And upcoming cards, what are you looking at applying for next? Um, I'm really excited about the U.S. bank credit cards coming out because those I think those could benefit me and have I have Bank of America Platinum Honor status. So I'm considering another Bank of America card. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more content. Visit my website at hurdygurdytravel.com where you can contact me, read episode transcripts, complete a free credit card questionnaire to receive tailored recommendations, follow me on social media, and listen to past episodes. Support my work through Patreon, PayPal, the Cash App, and referral links by visiting the Donate tab on my website. Subscribe on YouTube at Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast. Like my Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast Facebook page, follow HG Travel Podcast on Twitter, and follow Justin Vakula on Instagram. 
I'll be live streaming from YouTube with business coach Cakeology on Tuesdays and Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern as Shelter in Place time continues. We'll talk about all things money, business, and credit while answering questions from a live audience. Find announcements for upcoming streams and archives of past live streams on my website at hurdygurdytravel.com. Schedule a free 15-minute consultation with full-time business coach and YouTuber Cakeology, who can help you formally establish your business, build business credit, and get premium business credit cards. When you select from various paid services after the free consultation, I will receive credit for referring you. Listen to Cakeology on episode 12 of my podcast. Visit my other podcast at StoicSolutionsPodcast.com, where you can find practical wisdom for everyday life inspired by the ancient philosophers of Greece and Rome. Thanks to generous patrons and fans of this podcast who help support my work. Have a great day.